0: If you want to feel on beat, all those four sections have to have to be in flow. Now, at some points in your life, you're going to focus on one section more than the other. And that's okay. It's not about being perfect all the time, as we always talk about. It's about having balance. But more importantly, understanding how to get back on balance when you go off balance. And if you do go off balance, you do it with awareness.
1: Welcome to the Mindful Paths podcast with Nick Day and Harry Kalimnios where we explore the fascinating world of mindset, mindfulness, fitness, well-being, vitality, leadership and of course personal development.
0: Our goal is to provide you with insights to help you live a more fulfilling, happier and healthier life. So if you're
1: striving to be a better parent, friend, leader, colleague or boss or if you simply want to be more mindful and aware of the world around you then this Mindful Paths podcast is going to be for
0: you. We invite you to eavesdrop on our conversations and we challenge you to discover a new insight to help you on your own journey towards personal growth and positive change. So sit back, relax, and let's begin our journey together
1: on the Mindful Past podcast.
0: Harry, good to see you, buddy. How you doing? Nice to see you too. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I've had a, a good day, so it's uh it's all good. Good to be here.
1: Well, look, our show is now out in the ether. People have started to uh, to download and listen, which is interesting. Thank you for everyone that's given us early feedback, uh, including one person sent me. I want to hear a man searched for meaning by Viktor Frankl, which I thought was a lovely touch. Someone listened, yeah, to so gave me that book today. Paying so. Attention It proves People have been paying attention. Absolutely right. We've had lots. Yeah, of- exactly.
0: And I, I've had people reach out as well, uh, both I know and don't know, who have listened to it and said, "Oh, that was really interesting. Can I learn more about that and and everything?" So. Yeah, it's good to, to know we're making a, a small dent and a little impact on our first few episodes already.
1: 100%. Well, look, today I wondered if, on that basis, if you wouldn't mind or be so kind, because we never really plan what we're going to talk about. And I thought, you know what? We've had you once in episode five, it's now episode six. We haven't yet talked about your leadership beat model, which is something that you've developed yourself. Um, and actually, I yeah. don't you know the story behind it. I know the beat model because I've read all your books. But I thought, you know what? This is something you've dedicated your life to for the last 10 years. It's absolutely related to mindset and mindfulness and self self improvement and self help to a certain degree. So I'm going to give you the floor for a little bit. And what if you could, yeah, tell us the story behind that? Yeah,
0: yeah, I'll I'll tell you. So I mean, <clears throat> I guess it, kind of full story. Um, it's a it's a it's a framework and a philosophy for living life so that you can optimize your health, vitality, energy, mindset, and so on. And I actually did come up with it exactly 10 years ago, 2013, uh, but it was a culmination of about three or four years of self-discovery. So around uh, the time I met you, 2010, I actually left the London Stock Exchange, which I think you're aware of, and that's when we did our cycle trip. Um, Immediately after that, I started doing various courses, and one of which was an NLP course, Neurolinguistic Programming, which is, I guess you could call it sort of an idea of, I, I guess, not psychiatry, sorry. Um, I guess psychology, an aspect of psychology, although psychologists won't like that. But it's it's all about how we do the things we do rather than why we do the things we do. Anyway, long story short, I met people at those courses, which led me to further investigate other courses, other events. And I, I started going in 2011 to tons and tons of different personal development events. And what I started noticing was that lots of successful people were talking about similar things and so when they started talking about them i started thinking shall i shall i do those things right and that might have been 5 out of 10 people talking about meditation 7 out of 10 people talking about green juices 9 out of 10 people talking about the importance of sleep and slowly and but surely i started making lots of little changes to my life and so over the subsequent couple of years I made around one to 200 little changes in my life right and then after about two years of doing that I noticed well first I noticed straight away that my life my energy my focus my productivity my relationships everything increased and so anyway after so two and a half years of these changes and thinking look my life has exceeded to levels that I didn't think possible before my energy my vitality everything I thought there must be a pattern, right? There must be a pattern to what I've been doing. So what I did is I took a giant sheet of, I guess, A0 paper or A1 paper, and I sat on the floor and I wrote down pretty much every change I could remember. I had a bunch of them written on the computer anyway. So I wrote down every little thing I'd changed. And I started looking at that. And then I noticed patterns. And what I noticed was that all of the hundreds of different changes that I'd made ultimately fell into one of four buckets and I, I took a big marker pen and I just kind of circled around all the different changes. So I ended up with these four four quadrants and thinking, actually, all those changes are to do with this. All those changes are to do with that. And I realized that actually everything to do with health, well-being, vitality, energy, longevity, ultimately comes down to four things. And so that is what I now deem the leadership beat model. And the reason for the word beat is the, the word beat, B-E-A-N-T, stand for those four quadrants that I discovered and the reason it's called a leadership beat model as opposed to originally it was called the energy beat model because I thought it was all to do with energy but what I subsequently realized is we're all leaders right even if the only person you lead is yourself and another reason I called it that is because actually when I was you know starting this out and I was wanting to help corporates and professionals a lot of people when they think about well-being they weren't thinking about it Ten years ago in the same way they are now but they would have it as like an add-on like a nice little adjunct it wouldn't be part of an established part of your budget necessarily you might put a little bit of budget aside for a wellness wednesday now and then or a bit of fruit or a gym membership but that's not what i was talking about i was talking about something that is intrinsic to the development of your organization because if your leadership team if your staff if your employees are not operating fully, your bottom line won't be as full as it could be won't be as robust as it could be. And so for me, it was all about leadership, because I wanted it to be part of a leadership development program, not just a well being Wednesday sort of thing. So that's why it's called the leadership beat model. Um, But the idea behind it being, if you want to feel on beat, all those four sections have to have to be in flow. Now, at some points in your life, you're going to focus on one section more than the other, and that's okay. It's not about being perfect all the time as we always talk about. It's about having balance, but more importantly, understanding how to get back on balance when you go off balance, and if you do go off balance, you do it with awareness. So sometimes I am going to go off balance because of one reason or another, but it's about how do you get back on balance? Cuz most people to get energy maybe First thing in the morning, they're shooting for that coffee. And then to de-stress, they're going for that cigarette break. And then to relax at the end of the night, they're going for that wine or something. And they're they're kind of like going zigzaggy really rapidly. Whereas what I'm talking about is like a nice, smooth curve going on and off balance, but only a small amount so that you know how to get yourself back on, on, on balance. So that's really what it's about. And the idea being that sometimes we feel offbeat in life, right? We don't know what's going on. And we think, why am I feeling offbeat today? It's going to be one of those B, well, A, or the, T. Tell us what the B, A, T is. On. Yeah, so the first one, B, stands for brain. Now, most of the listeners maybe already know that my brand is called The Thought Gym and even our tagline is train the, uh, the mind and the rest will follow for the podcast because the brain is a metaphor for mindset, psychology, um, gratitude, uh, beliefs, values, emotions and so on. And what I realized that, and this is why the brand is called The Thought Gym, is that first, everything really starts with a change of mindset. And that's when it becomes easy to change things, even though changing the mindset is the most difficult thing sometimes. But you then will shift your beliefs, shift your identity into the thing that will actually ultimately serve you. So when I made these changes, it wasn't actually that hard for me because I had a massive shift in mindset. So B, it stands for brain. And that's all about, like I said, gratitude, language, beliefs, values, values mindset, identity. Then the E stands for elements. So this is all about how you nourish your body from the inside and out. So this includes, so we have five elements. So these are the five elements of ancient Greek culture, because I'm Greek after all, air, water, earth, fire, and ether these are five things that surround you or nourish you inside and out. So air is a metaphor for breathing, right? So breath techniques are very popular these days, Wim Hof breathing, pranayama, yogic breathing. So it's all about how we nourish ourselves with the air that we breathe and the different breathing techniques to give us energy. Water obviously stands for water, but there's a lot more to water than just drink water. Then earth is also about our relationship to the earth, as well as the food that we get from the earth. So it's not just about what we eat, but also how we interact with the earth, okay? Things like grounding or earthing, as they're called, which is basically being barefoot on the ground or on the earth and the connection that you get to the earth and the positive effects you get from that. Um, Fire is all about sunlight, vitamin D, being outdoors, okay? The great big fireball in the sky. And then ether is this environment around you so ether is typically what they used to think space was made of um, and it's the space within the space or the force if you like star wars but it's the it's the space around you so that is about your physical environment so is your physical environment set up like for example your office is that nice and neat and tidy because typically you're more focused you have better um, more energy when your things are tidy if you're in a messy environment most people at least they're not gonna work as efficiently as if they're in a tidy environment. So it's that, but also is your environment set up for movement and activity, right? Maybe you have a chin up bar in your doorway. Maybe you've got a standing left desk like I've got. Um, So that's the physical environment, but then you've also got your personal environment. So that is, most people don't think about their shampoos or their conditioners or their face creams that they put on their body. Uh, I know you're big on not using sun cream a lot of the time, right? Because you're aware of of all of that. So it's about that physical environment And then the last part, you've got the physical environment, the the personal environment, and then you've got the uh, invisible environment. So that is the world of EMFs, Bluetooth, radio frequencies, and the effect that those have on your body. Uh, So that's elements. Then we go to activity, which is all about the things that you do in a day, not just exercise, but more importantly than exercise, it's movement, but also about habits, routines. It's about whether you play, whether you have fun, whether you laugh, whether you've got passion in life, purpose whether you offer yourself in service, like volunteer to other people, uh, and also what we may cover in a mo- moment, which is connection, right? Connection to others. So I call it PSPC, Passion, Service, Purpose and Connection. Um, so activities all around that. And then finally, we've got T, which is the section that a lot of people maybe skip out on, especially if you're a high achiever, uh, and that is tranquility. So that is about how you rest, repair, rejuvenate the body. For example, sleep, meditation, fasting, um, something I call digital nutrition. Uh, there's massage, there's time off, there's holidays. So that's all about repairing, rejuvenating the body. So you've got pretty much everything that I've come across since then, since discovering this 10 years ago, falls into one or more of these, these four quadrants. And I simply ask myself, if I'm feeling offbeat today, what do I need to focus on from the B, E, A or T to get me back on beat? Because I might, let's say I've slept well. And I've done my green smoothie and I've exercised and I've done all the things that we think should we should be doing. So why am I feeling low in energy? Well, actually, it's because I haven't seen anyone for four or five days because this literally happened to me when I was discovering this 10 years ago. I
1: reached out to me and you were talking about having a lack of connection. That's where you're going to go with this, isn't it? Yeah. Because at that time, you I think you're in the middle of your beat beat model discovery mode and you reached out to me. We had not spoken probably since the last cycle tour. But I remember you reaching out and saying... I'm lacking connection i'm doing everything right i don't understand why my model this isn't working and you realized that you wanted to reach out and you made connections and you saw people yeah you probably hibernated a little bit right in all their manifestos and realized you hadn't seen oh yeah that's the else. thing
0: yeah. yeah writing books and ideas is the worst thing for your health a lot of the time but um and yeah like you said i was i realized oh actually i haven't spoken to anyone in four days um and so, yeah, the beat model came back through that. It came back through personal experience, through observing high-performing individuals across different industries. It also came from observing nature and also babies. You know, so babies are a good uh, teacher for me as well. So I, I observe what they do, and um, and I and I incorporated that into the beat model. So everything I do effectively now is to promote this idea of uh, healthy, vibrant living, and the beat model is a perfect framework for that because. Other things that I hear about, they, they put piecemeal by piecemeal, but it doesn't, doesn't come together quite like, like it was, this. It's
1: interesting I, you I highlighted sun creams for me. Um, it's funny how things land and you remember it. So I've got no issue wearing sun cream, by the way, which is an interesting thing. But my mum has an issue with sun cream. So you mentioned baby. So my mum runs an a, a extremely successful international baby franchise. And um, mm. she doesn't, she'll always say, you know, you shouldn't put sun cream on baby skin because it's full of chemicals and, and things that, play around with hormone levels and i don't know the ins and outs i'm not an an expert here but and um she's always said she's she's had lots of companies approach her some big names saying can you as a founder of this major corporation of of baby products can you endorse it she's like i can't endorse it unless it's 100 safe and to date, i don't think anyone's been able to provide uh uh, no not not in terms of a well-known brand anyway 100 safe solution and that's because it as you mentioned it can interact with our bodies not always positively yes it protects from the rays but actually some of these chemicals and these products can do damaging things in different ways but I I go to there's
0: other ways there's other ways to protect yourself
1: let's break this down a little bit because you and I live our lives very differently I've nothing but respect for your beat model and all the effort and time and research you put into it so this isn't about critiquing uh, necessarily but I think it's interesting for those listening they might go you know what that all sounds great in reality if, if I was to break down how you live your life now with these 200 Uh, different and probably more as time has moved on sort of changes you marginal changes in some bigger changes in others that you've made to your life for me you say you use the word extremes from in the way that I live my life some of these things are extreme so one of those obviously diets I know you pretty much cut me out of your diet you don't have any blue light or very little blue light in your house you'll wear blue light emitting sunglasses after seven or eight o'clock at night and Yeah. yeah when you talk about digital fasting or or the way you manage it I mean you literally cut out all digital products to to, to a degree where most people would say it just wouldn't work for me for whatever reason like they would say the way you're living your life is extreme I would say the way I'm not willing and there's a lot of willness in here I'm not willing to make some of those changes however I I will probably go a little bit of the way each time not the whole way even though reading your model it tells me that if I did do that maybe I'll have a a better, more, vi- more vitality and other things. But for whatever reason, I'm not willing to make what I would call sacrifices, even for the better good, to go to the extreme levels that you have. So for the layman listening, what are the core things that you would narrow down to go, okay, if you can't go to the levels that I've got yet, and maybe they'll start that journey and, and follow the path or level later on, what are the key things that you would recommend for a healthy mind, a healthy
0: body? Okay. I mean, before I go into that i i would i like to maybe offer three counter arguments to what you just said well the first thing is the beauty of the and this will touch upon what your question but the beauty of the beat model is that there are a plethora of things that go into it right so it's not being you don't have to do 100% of the things 100% of the times, right? So that's the, that's the beauty, is that lots of things, some things are going to be bigger hitters than others. I think
1: what I'm getting to is how can we make this a system where people listening can make enough marginal changes to start getting the benefit of your model, so without having to go the whole way, where they can start to feel the benefits, even if they're not willing to go the full hog.
0: Okay. Um, all right. I'll come to that then. Um before that, let me cu- let me come to the other two counterpoints right. as well. So, um, so the first one was that the, firstly, there's lots of things that you can do within the beat model, which is great. So you don't have to do everything that I do. Um, the second thing is that what you you see as extreme is what I consider like other things extreme. Like, for example, let's say changing your diet being extreme, right? And I, I heard this example, I think from Dean Ornish, and he said. You say changing your diet is extreme, people will never do it. But actually what I consider is cutting someone's chest open and clearing clogged arteries and putting a heart bypass extreme. So for me, I consider those other things, those eventualities extreme. And I guess what I'm doing is I'm sacrificing in some people's mind something today so that I don't have to sacrifice later. However, like I said, the B of the beat is brain and it's all about your mindset. And so for me, I don't see any of those things as a sacrifice or it's just like when you were eight years old, there was probably favorite sweets that you had. Right. If you were to go into a shop now and those sweets were still available, you probably wouldn't even be consciously aware that they were they even exist. You're not feeling that it's a sacrifice to say no to that uh, sugar Curly, whirly, or whatever the. I know, I know exactly is. what
1: the suit. Is. I was an army and navy and aniseed ball nut, and I would go straight for those both of those two buckets. But wow. oh,
0: so when you go into a shop now, do do, do you do you seek it out? Maybe if yeah, hundred percent. But... Yeah, because it brings oh, well, it brings okay. back. Well, you're, you're 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 counteracting my argument then. But but most people they've got things that they did in the past that they now look don't do that they're not drawn to doing. They've just I fallen guess... away. It's not like you having to resist it.
1: So I mean I'm in agreement with pretty much everything in your model, right? So I'm not trying to be
0: contrarian for the sake of it, but there are certain things No, no, I, I like the voice of uh, the the kind of layman let's, though that I mean
1: diet with. was always gonna come out at some point because we have very different diets in the way that we live our lives. And I know by the way I also want to come to
0: my third I want to come to my third rebuttal as well. Second, we'll come back so that's exactly. all right.
1: But um you know, I know that I could be more optimal with my diet, particularly from a sporting aspect, right? And I know that I've had a donut today. I shouldn't have had donuts. That's not good for anybody. There's no goodness in a donut bar high calories and fat, right? And I get that. So there are things that I know I can make improvements for. However, when you watch, there's lots of you use the cutting open the stomach and bringing out. that That's all well and good, right? But that doesn't happen for every single person every single time. And it's very easy to go to the extreme end of the scale. And there's loads of documentaries out there if you use veganism as a reason or people that want to convince others not to eat meat. And they'll take you to the extreme and they'll show you all these athletes, they're performing really, really well on vegan diets, but won't show you all the athletes are doing really, really well on non vegan diets, or they will, you know, let's be fair, in terms of veganism, there hasn't really been a study yet. So they'll say, well, a vegan diet in this particular example, I'm not saying this is your argument, by the way, but it's a common argument is a healthier diet than a non vegan diet, right. And they'll say that they'll point to things like higher diabetes, higher heart um, failure and all these different heart disease, all these things are coming on non vegan diets but it's not a like for like study because more people, the general populace will have more heart disease. Just by saying you're a vegan automatically gives you more awareness, and this is all about awareness, of your dietary intake. So to make that a like for like study, you need to compare it with someone who's already very aware, probably a sporting elite person across both studies, who's very conscious every day of what they put in their their bodies. And you really need to follow them over a lifetime to understand whether there's any disproportionate levels of heart disease or anything else. For two people, one lives a vegan lifestyle, one doesn't, who've been consciously aware of what they put in their bodies all the way through. Compare it to a populist study of the whole of the world just doesn't work. Because just by saying you're vegan or vegetarian or pescatarian, whatever it is, you're automatically admitting that you are more conscious of what you put into your body. And when you're more conscious and aware, you make better choices. So that's one. Okay,
0: so my third rebuttal to your original uh, (laughs) statement earlier was that what I'm teaching predominantly more than anything is awareness, right? And so if if you do something with awareness, like you have that donut and you're aware, okay, for me, I mean, I, I, I was at my sister's the other day And I really wanted, I bought some gluten-free bread, but I wanted some butter on it. And I don't have butter. I never have butter. And I thought, you know what? I can't remember the last time I had butter. It was probably 10 years ago. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to have it. And I kind of know what it's going to do to me in that I typically, not to be too graphic about it, I'll, I'll need the toilet like pretty soon afterwards, within 10 minutes. And I thought, you know what? I'm just at home. I'm by myself. I'm not out at a restaurant. I'm not chatting with anyone. I'm not doing anything. And I fancy bread and butter, which I haven't had for years and years. And so I had that. But I did that with full awareness about what it was going to do. And it also gives me a bit of a runny nose. But because it wasn't that important to me to have a clear sinuses that moment in time, I didn't really care. So for me, it's like, make the choice you want to make, but do it with awareness about the consequences. And also, but also... I don't want people to think that I think, oh, being a vegan is healthier or not, because I, my thoughts have, have evolved over 10 or 12 years about this um, quite substantially. And I think we should do a whole episode once on, which I, I think we should I'm call like sure. Diet Wars or something like that. I think that would be a good, a be good one right? that we because talk I'm... about.
1: I've, you, you've studied this for the last 10 years and I'm a qualified uh, sports nutritionist. So although I haven't practised in a professional capacity, I've done the qualification. So we can have a good conversation about that. I'm going to save that. Yeah,
0: so I think it's a bigger discussion than we're going to afford right now. But um I guess the point I'm trying to make is that it, it's about awareness. So that, that was the third point. I mean, so it was about, firstly, that the beat model has got lots of different things that people can lift and, and shift and, and make their own. And I always say, and at the front of my new book, I, I use Bruce Lee's quote, which I love one of Bruce Lee's quotes right absorb what is useful discard what is not and add what is uniquely yours and that is the beauty with the stuff I teach and the f- things I learned is I took from lots of people I tested it I saw for myself I ditched what I didn't like and I kept what did like
1: I, I mean I'm fully sold on your beat model anyway so this isn't to challenge it in any way but what I want to do is I want to bring it in
0: into... I like being challenged by the way I like being challenged. Oh, this is...
1: We debate a lot, as, we, as a lot of our, our, our conversation is is arguing one way or the other. But I think um, what I wanted to do is the people that are listening, I don't want them to, dis- actually, I love your beat model so much. I don't want them to dismiss it because they feel like they have to go to an extreme. That's probably where I wanted to go with it, really. I think I absolutely in full agreement with is raising awareness is all this podcast is going to do, right? It's raising awareness. Awareness leads to insight. Insight leads to action. Action leads to change. Hopefully, we're going to make those changes. Those actions, those insights can lead us to positive changes. The brain I love in your beat model. We know the brain is eight, you know, responsible for 80% of our energy expenditure anyway. That's how powerful this, this, this thing is. So we need to make sure we're feeding it well and if we can feed it optimally, great. And we also need to be aware of how many calories it consumes and just how vital this is as, a, as an organ, as a, as a thing that controls our thoughts, our thinking, our feelings, and all the different things that go with it. So if you get that bit right, as you said, if you get the brain right, <laughs> the rest will follow to a certain degree. right? So totally, totally get that. And actually, on the we will go into a separate conversation another day on, on the diet. But interestingly, I did go with the extreme way, as you know. So I then decided, I read Rich Rolls, mm. a famous vegan, oh, yeah, yeah. ultra-running athlete, and he t- challenges you at the end of the book. And typical me I, I like to do things all in or, or not right so end of that book he laid down the challenge follow this I think he said follow it for 28 days and if you're not converted by veganism after that point but you will be brackets uh then you never will be so I did that to the letter and I did it in preparation for uh, the Excalibur marathon which is a, a marathon up in North Wales in the mountains and um you know, I followed as a sports nutritionist anyway, I always made sure I had colorful things on my plate, five different colors, you know, trying to get all different nutrients, whatever. Somewhere I obviously got it wrong. And maybe going full hog overnight into a vegan diet, my body rejected I me. Mean, it was not having bread and butter. If I have coconut, mate, I'm in mean, exactly the same way. That's another That's another thing. But when we got to marathon day, I ran it feeling like I would fueled well on this new vegan diet rough, rough would have been roughly day 27 28 of the day. I was just about to finish it was kind of the bit to say to me is this the right path for me and this performance will tell me the story now we know there's more to it than just a simple thing but ultimately i've done the training and i've trained for races all my life so that wasn't a problem so the only real thing i changed in that preparation was my diet that race yeah. was the hardest marathon i've done in my life i should i've, I've run yeah. a 250 marathon That marathon took me nearly five hours. I bonked so badly on my duck. Lucy turned up my wife to wait for me at the finish. And literally there were pensioners coming in. And I was like, what on earth has happened to Nick? I was walking, like whatever it was, from an endurance perspective, I hadn't fueled well enough. Whether it was the day before, I'd actually had a really faint feeling a couple of days going in. So I was playing football with the kids in the garden. I went really faint. Something my body needed. Now I'm not saying I must have meat. That's not my intention. But I think going mm-hmm. suddenly to the full extreme of the scale, for me, wasn't right. And I tried it. I followed Rich Roll's plan, and he would told me I'd be convinced. Actually, what it did do, it threw me the other way and made me realize that I need to be mindful of what I eat. The awareness was there. But going extreme for me wasn't the right path, and it brought me back. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not a, uh, you know, I'm, I, I eat anything pretty much. I am very conscious, actually. Yeah but in my in my mouth, despite the fact I say I, I do do those things, my exercise around it, I like try and be relatively mindful. It depends where I am in my in my training cycle as well. It depends what I eat. Yeah. Well, I think what I want to bring to the masses here is, I think about to the go there, about raising awareness. I want everyone who listens to this to follow your beat model because it just makes sense. But I want them to make it accessible for them. So let me bring it back to you. How can we make the beat model accessible, knowing we can raise awareness about food? We've kind of covered that maybe. One thing that I really want to talk about was social connection. Because I've had a week where I've been to one of my best, closest friends like growing up's uh, wedding, uh, which was amazing. Mm. and I met old school friends when I was at the wedding. I then came back from the wedding. I had a whole week off with the kids, which was great with the family. which was very rare. So away from work, a uh, bit of a digital detox because I wasn't on email and on my phone, all the other bits. My uh, well, w- wife may disagree, but i say I was on it less than usual. And then I uh, finished it on the uh, Saturday with one of my friends' 40th birthday parties where we danced the night away. And I think what was really interesting for me during that social connection piece was the joy. I think joy is the right word. The joy we got as a family Mm. and as friends dancing with each other, singing, talking about old times, it's such a lift. And it was like, what? Wow, the one yeah. thing I want to talk about is actually the hormones, the way it impacts the brain, the way that we feel good. I know we know yeah. that endorphins are behind highs and actually we know social connections can release endorphins. But actually when you take it a level further and you start dancing, it's not just about social connection, but you can, maybe this is going the difference of going to extreme here. If you dance with somebody, I dance with my daughter, my wife, where you don't really care you don't care if anyone's watching. That just creates a whole new level of, of high and i did some research and I, I realized that actually there's another class of brain chemicals that get released because i was so interested to know why i felt such a high and, you re- and people may be aware that you release something called uh, endocannabinoids which are literally the same chemicals mimicked by cannabis so i think yeah. the neuroscience have described it as the don't worry be happy" happy chemicals but that's how you mm. feel so wow five yeah. minutes of this
0: a day with my daughter and i'm going to be buzzing so interestingly connection so connection in in the beat model which comes under activity is about emotional connection and physical connection as well so the dancing what's great with dancing is there's also physical touch 100%. which is really, really 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 good for you um but it's about emotional and physical connection both to other people but yourself but there you may have heard of the gantt study i think it's called the gantt study um and it's the longest running study i think on health and well-being that i think was started in the 1930s out of our uh, out of boston and they took students from a deprived, uh, people from a deprived area, and then people from uh, the student population in uh, Harvard. I think incidentally, actually, um, JFK was at one point enrolled in that study at some point in the career. Anyway, that ran for about 85, 90 years, it's still running now. And what they noticed, um, several conclusions, but one big thing that was quite interesting was that What indicated how healthy a person would be at 80 years old when they looked at them at 50 was not things like, you know, their diet or their diabetes level, their heart disease or their blood pressure, but was the strength of their social connections. Those with the strongest social connections at 50 were likely to live longer and be healthier at 80, despite blood pressure, medications, all of these things um it's so important it's one of the things that i feel uh, if i'm looking at the beat model myself uh, there's a couple of things that i've probably fall down the most at one is connection right i feel i've got a, you know, a strong family connection but um i don't have my own family as it were but i've got you know my sisters and parents sure. and things like that so and and also because i'm of that age where a lot of my friends have their own families, they, they're kind of you hanging out see. with their family. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. We tried to hang out last week. We were both only twenty minutes away, actually, uh, near Brighton. And and it's easier for me because I'd say, oh, I can just go. But you've got like two kids to think about, and the wife, and you yeah. know you know, all of those other things that you've got to sort out. um So for me, the connection piece is something I need to work on. And and there's a couple of other sections as well. But what I said about balance before, and, and I think I mentioned right at the beginning, is that. If I if I focus on one area of the beat model, I may take a hit in other areas. So one of the things that I sometimes go and do is I go on these kind of personal development seminars, which maybe last a few weeks. So one in particular I go to a couple of times anyway is one called Mind Valley. It's like a um, TED Valley. Talks meeting Burning yeah. man. Yeah. And so when I go on those, I'm going primarily, as are many people, for connection. Now, what that tends to ultimately mean, if I'm honest, is that there's later nights than I would normally have. There's more alcohol than I would normally have. There's less sleep than I would normally have. So I know I'm going to take a hit. And like we've talked about the aura ring before. The aura ring, every July that I've gone, I see massive hits in like my stats because I get a lot of uh, increase in my step count, but I get massive hits in terms of amount of sleep I get, my heart rate variability, my heart rate is always up on the nights I have a drink because I normally alternate nights anyway. And you can see this wave going of when I'm drinking and not drinking. But I know for that two or three week period that my other sections will take a hit because I'm focusing on that connection piece. And this is the what I'm talking about. is Once you're aware of all the things that actually will optimize you, you get to pick and choose what you need to focus on at any given moment in time. Because The reality is that some people can actually do very well focusing on one area, right? You might find someone who is super passionate about their business and they work all hours. They like, like Elon Musk, maybe, right? He like sleeps like three hours. I'm recording this
1: while still being
0: sat in my office at past State. So, okay. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) You're you're working really hard. You're super passionate and you've got all the energy of a, of a two-year-old, all right? But at some point, it might be five months in the future, five years in the future, 20 years in the future. Unless you have balance across all four areas at, overall, something's going to come crumbling down.
1: I quite like that because this links to something uh, we talk about. Well, actually, links back to your beat model of the brain. I'll get to where I'm going with this in a minute. But you talked about stress. So I'm in the office now. It's half past eight, thereabouts. It's late. I should probably go home. I'm, I'm going to try and do a run yet before I go to bed and different things to happen before the, rest of the evening. But actually, if you do too much of one thing, that stress response continues to grow and eventually you can work from people. We were very familiar with the word stress, public are familiar with the word stress, public are familiar with the word distress in particular. But that's the other side, people aren't familiar, there's a curve, you talked about the curve when you say on your oaring where you drink, it curves. For me, it probably just flat lines, but you know, it goes up and down. But there's the other side of the of the curve. So distress is when you, you, you hit your optimum. you start going downhill. You go downhill, you're in distress. That's the other side of the curve. But going up the hill, there's something called eustress, which is, when mm-hmm. has everyone even heard of eustress in the public domain? No one ever talks about eustress. You hear things called mm-hmm. stretch goals, or when we're in that stretch zone. That stretch zone essentially is that that eustress part of the zone where we feel like we yeah. are being challenged but when we're at that challenging zone where we're actually working at our optimum we we create purpose doesn't come from consumption it comes from production and then the, the sooner people recognize that the quicker they can find fulfillment in their lives that's why the journey is mm. more than the destination right that's but you need to be challenged in that journey if that journey is too easy we don't get the same level of Of response at the end. We don't get that feel of euphoria at the end. So you're in that eustress curve. What happens is you do the same thing every day. That eustress slowly builds until it becomes stress and distress going down the other side. So we need to put ourselves back into check. The reason I bring that up, you mentioned the word stress. We talked a bit about social connection and why that's important, the mind value, all those things. But you know, you've done more research in this area than I have. With the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex, the the, place is responsible for regulating stress hormones and all the other bits and pieces when we dance when we do these things we create more endorphins serotonin dopamine which is the brain's reward system all these things which add an endocannabinoid uh, I've just discovered as a brand new hormone which helps with that you know be happy things mm. to me
0: this but is why cbds help. are quite good <laughs>
1: Well,
0: yeah. Well, that, that mimics is, that
1: effectively CBD oil. Yeah. Well, CBD oil effectively does the same thing as your endocannabinoids do in your 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 natural response. Yes, yeah, because
0: you have receptor sites in your body throughout the Correct. and the endocannabinoid system. Um, but also dancing will also lower things like cortisol, right? Because Absolutely you're moving right. your body, so that that stress. Um, dancing is brilliant. Is is it, it's brilliant for your brain health as you age as well, because you're moving your body whilst remembering steps or coming up with new steps. I've actually always thought I've got a secret fantasy, even though I'd never really watched uh, okay. what's it called? <laughs> not, not a Come film, it's really a bad film. Isn't it? One, one, of, one of the reasons that I would like to be, I, I don't want to be famous, as it were, but I'd like to be famous within my industry for, for my knowledge. But there's two reasons why I think it's quite nice to be quite successful and quite famous. One is you get to meet other high performing successful people. But the second thing, if you're like super successful, you get invited on Strictly Come Dancing. And I would love to do Strictly Come Dancing because I think that would be brilliant because it's such a physically demanding thing. And I really want to learn how to dance well. So uh, that would be a great thing. Good
1: to dream. Maybe, maybe everyone share this yeah. show and maybe we can make it make you famous
0: that way around. When you were talking about stress, um, I'm not sure if you know this story or not, but it's one that I share sometimes because sometimes people think stress is bad or you've got like this idea of eustress, which is, I guess, the good stress that is enough <laughs> that actually a helps. stress zone it. of stress. Um, And the reality is with stress as well is that it's it's usually your perception. We've talked about this in the first podcast. Nothing means anything except for the meaning that you give it. So if you choose that something is a bad stress for you, it's likely to have a bad effect on you uh, versus if you think the same stressor you decide is a good stress for you, actually, it's going to be different. It's going to be your perception of it. But the story I wanted to share was of Biosphere 2. But it was this habitat that they built to try and mimic what it would be like to live on Mars. So they had this enclosed place where scientists could live and work for like two or three years. And it was completely closed off from the rest of the world. I think it was in somewhere in America, Nevada or wherever. And they gave the scientists everything they needed for those two, three years. And they planted lots of trees and all of this. They gave the trees everything they needed, water, nutrients, soil to grow and everything. And what they found was that the trees, they were growing, but they kept falling down. They kept falling down. And it was only after they realized and they started to introduce simulated wind into the environment that the trees were able to grow strong. And and it was the it was the stress, like the the wind is the stress in this metaphor. The stress is what created the strength. Presumably it's the
1: reaction to the stress, though, right? The reaction to the stress means they form roots. Without the reaction, yeah. roots; they'll topple over. But the reaction is how we react. I, and I might be wrong. I don't know anything about this study. But it seems to me that's probably the way they react to it. Yeah. What I think is really interesting, though, if we bring it back to the first episode where you were talking about nothing has meaning till we, till we give it meaning. And I, I often talk about, you know, reminding everybody that we're the thinker, not the thought. And we often get that confused. We think because we think of something, therefore it's true. Mm. Our thoughts are real. But actually, if we change our thoughts, we change our thinkings, we change our thinking, we, we change how we feel, and thoughts dictate how we feel. And all those things. And everything, all those things I believe are true, and as do you, and we, we talk a lot about it. But what I think was really interesting, and I guess the uh, the awareness piece, the insight bit, that's probably the right word I'm looking for, the bit that hit me with insight when I was dancing at a 40th, having a great time, and actually it was watching my wife and my daughter dance together, was n- It's a bit like breathing takes you immediately to the present. When you're dancing like that, you're not thinking about the past. You're not thinking about the future. You just are. You're just in the moment. You are present 100%, losing Mm. yourself to something else. And actually, I would argue that I don't think there's any thought going on at all. That's what I would call total flow. And you mentioned the word flow earlier. Being in that flow is what I think most of us want to aspire to be. And that's when we absolutely feel optimistic. We feel joy. We feel happy. There's a lot about this in the game, uh, the book, The Inner Game of Tennis, um, which I'm a big mm. fan. It's an old book, but it's, it's a brilliant book. And in the, in that book, he talks about the state of flow. And The Inner Game of Tennis is about get, you know, trying to get that state of flow. So if you look at, um, I always think of Ivan Isovich, even though he's really old and played years ago. But let's think of Roger Federer. Yeah. He's not thinking all the time about, I need to put my backhand here, my hand up here. My when he He's just playing. He's no. instinctive. He's in the moment. And it's when, if anyone's watched the, the recent Netflix series, you watch where the mind starts to take over from flow and they start thinking about shots or think everything goes wrong. The minute mm. we start thinking about stuff, we overthink it and everything goes wrong. We, we're desperately trying to find our, our state of flow. But it's when we're in that state of flow that I think we feel... The best we can possibly feel, and whether you not, you get there in your meditations. I don't, I don't meditate, although I, I practice mindfulness. But how's your experience of that? Because you mentioned flow earlier in your beat model, and I would argue that that's when we're not really thinking about anything at all, and we're not aware of them anyway.
0: And yet, I think flow is an interesting state, and it's not one that I necessarily aspire to get into uh, a a huge amount of time, because it's not one that you tend to get into. um, I mean, the meditation, I've got to say, for me, I remember only probably one time, uh, and this was probably six months into my meditations, about 12 years ago, where I was, I I was not, uh, there was no thought, and I felt like connected to the entirety of the universe. Um, And then you desperately, the ego wants to chase back to that stage again and again. So I don't tend to get there with the meditation, if I'm honest. Uh, meditation for me is more of a practice than a than an achievement the flow state or anything like that Um, I'm someone that's always in my head actually so that's actually why I want to do things a bit more like dancing or things I remember when I was doing a little bit of sparring um, years ago uh, with the gloves and the boxing that is also a point where you can't really think you don't have time to think about the shopping or the bills or what you're gonna have for dinner because if you do you're gonna get hit in the face and the same with dancing you've got to be in that if, if you're not then you're gonna be quite and wooden and everyone in your listening dancing. to
1: this will be able to resonate with the sense that when you're thinking about your dancing it's not a fun no, it's experience. terrible it's horrible it's terrible. So feel like everyone's watching you it's when you've probably for me, had a few beers i can I'm not, it's just not in my mind. I'm just in the moment, in I would call it flow. But at if the beginning, you if you're like learning practice. a
0: dance or if you're learning something, and again, I'll come back to Bruce Lee because um it's quite interesting. I'm not sure if it was Bruce Lee talking about this, or I saw it in some some show or something, but I remember there I was like a court case, right? And I think the the expert martial artist was, you know, on trial for like manslaughter or something like that. And I guess the defense was that it was automated right this process of defense that happened and i think the way that the lawyer proved it to the prosecution lawyers he had a tennis ball or something and he threw the tennis ball at the at the lawyer and the, the lawyer just caught it right caught the tennis ball and he said well, why did you do that because I, I didn't think about it i just did it it's like well exactly that's the defense of the 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 martial artist because they'd done 30 40 years of martial arts their instinct was just to act not to think and to just do the thing um i guess it was a defense mechanism you've got to have controlled defense but and this was a a show or a movie so don't take my word for it as being an actual court case or bruce Lee doing this (laughs) but the point i'm trying to make is that a lot of the time you practice a technique over and over and over and over and over and over so that you don't then have to think about it so that it becomes instinctual like and and that's the idea but flow comes from a lot of conscious effort to begin with to sure. become then unconscious again in I the mean, activity you, you
1: wouldn't necessarily believe that in the way that i dance uh however we arguably dance from the minute we're born right it's something that we're it's innate within us to want to love music and to dance and to move anyway movement is part of is innately within us but you wouldn't think of anything yeah. really dancing parts at all if you saw me on the dance floor but interestingly it made me think about a great book called bounce which you may or may not have read i can't think of the name of the author i actually. have
0: matthew side uh, matthew side say- i like that book
1: so well, he, he talks yeah. about it. So he he he's a table table tennis world champion, and the ten thousand hours mm. of practice. And he turned out he ended up getting there because he lived in a village of loads of other people. Uh, a t- X- tiny table
0: tennis. And the uh, next
1: Chinese world champion was training them, and all three of them, I think, that lived in that village became world champions at different times. I mean, that's a different thing. The One was he he was playing table tennis, and of course, you've got less than a second to respond to a smashed hit. He doesn't think of where his hand goes; it just moves. The no. State. He then played tennis. I think it was he was, a, he was a, invited to a Wimbledon like, he was, yeah. and he couldn't hit a thing because he had to it think about shot. It was absolutely awful. And that's a bit about the flow piece as well, of being when you don't have to you don't have to think about it. I just think it's interesting yeah. because I'm a massive believer in if we can get control of our thoughts, we can improve the way that we feel. And yet watching my my wife and my child dance around like it didn't matter, like you just don't care, whatever it is. It was just really uplifting and all the all the, the hormones and, and things that must be released at that time for them. They weren't worried about I was filming or watching or checking or, or anyone else was watching. They were just in the moment. And that was just pure joy. Mm. And um, I just think that's a nice place to, I don't know how we got to this part of the conversation at all from where we were with your beat model, but it was really, really nice. It does link back to the brain though. And, and the way connection. that our cortex record links to connection it links to music, which I'm a massive fan of as well um it links to other areas as well of the body the dopamine response the reward response and, and the, the release of that and how that changes us i just think it was um i think flow is something we should aspire to i think that's when when you don't have to think about it too much that's when actually maybe that's uh, i think it's just a great place to be i
0: guess the point i'm trying to make with that is that um and i think we talked about it before that we live in a relativistic universe so flow is only relevant when there's a state of non-flow yeah, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah you so, can't. You need, so, you need um yeah, and we we can't always be in that way because it, it can be a. Sometimes it can be a selfish way to to exist, right? For for chasing from that because you're you're not thinking about other people or other circumstances or influence that you might have elsewhere, and so it's not a place that you can always be. But it's a place that is definitely. So- uh, so I've got a fun example,
1: a fun example of this. It just it just popped into my head, and uh, it brings always brings a smile to my face. And I, I don't want to bore that bore the audience too much. We we've rambled it on for a while, but my son, uh, when he was a baby, obviously you got that moment where he, they take their first steps. Now he was for he's nine years old now. For the first eight years of his life, absolutely obsessed with cars. Thousands of them, Matchbox, car, any type of car, just cars. I don't know why mm. I'm not in cars at all, but he was absolutely fascinated with cars. And he had these two matchbox cars. Now he learned to walk and we were all excited until we realized he could only walk when he had cars in his hand because he wouldn't put them down. He stopped scooting and holding on things and he would walk right across the room, took the cars Mm. out of his hand, made him think, how do I get from one side to the other? And he couldn't walk. It was the the funniest thing as parents. But also the most remarkable thing to observe: if we gave him a car to hand, he was so protective over the cars he wouldn't put them down. He would grasp them both and literally walk from one side of them to the next. Take a car out of his yeah. hand, and he didn't know how to walk. It was like, wow, that's flow. And it's a bit like if I said to someone the amount of mechanical things that have to happen in the body to get up now and go and turn that light switch back mm. on. That you just had to do a load to so teach someone who didn't know how to do that. You'd have to go first. You put pressure on your feet to lift yourself out of the chair. Hands on your on your knees to push yourself. Yeah. It's a huge amount of stuff. And yet we do these things every day without thinking that's the flow yeah. of just going to the light switch. Well, yeah. Sometimes this is it's the just- challenge that
0: all these um, AI robot engineers are having, right? Because they're trying to teach robots how to get up and do that. And, and you've got to actually, program every single It actually day. requires millions of lines of code yeah. to do what we perceive to be very simple. Uh, but it's not that simple because it took us you know years years to learn how to do that ourselves yeah.
1: and over the dawn of time right not just you know it's becoming a over many yeah. you know, cycles and everything else anyway i don't know how we yeah, got exactly. yeah, on the old beat model the old beat model i have to say is fantastic and um for those that haven't uh or want to know more i think they should go and check the show notes get your book i know you've already had some orders actually of the thought gym so people have listened
0: um well yes the thought gym the the, the book that will come out we haven't finalized the title um but if you're listening to it now hopefully uh it will come out at some point this year so head to my website is the best place because i'm not sure where it will be available but harry.hk uh so h-a-r-i is the way you spell my name harry.hk and that'll take you to my website and that will have all the different things uh, hopefully in the next six months or so that book will be out and that will be a big book and a small book there'll be two versions of it uh, that cover the beat model Uh, one with all the all the bells and whistles and one with the uh, the short reader guide version as well
1: the blink version but I think also I think the key thing to remember is over the course of whatever however many episodes you end up recording there isn't going to be much we're going to tackle that doesn't fall into one of those buckets that's the reality absolutely uh,
0: well the reality is everything that I've discovered when it comes to health well-being longevity mindset all the things that we're interested in talking about ultimately fall into one of those four areas which is why I like this because it's a comprehensive but yet simple robust model and it puts together things in a nice way that people can take it away and and remember hopefully a lot easier than all the different things I have to think about.
1: We'll need to plan a a session on our our nutritional debate of which I will share. Yeah that would be
0: good because I I, my thoughts have evolved on that significantly and I will say probably on the episode that we do that just because you eat this way at this point in your life and it's the right thing for you to do doesn't mean that it will still be the right way in six months or six years. And you have to be open uh, to change and not be tied to the identity of a food religion. I Um, love that, because now we're talking
1: about the authenticity paradox and other things that we can get into, which I'm really excited about. What I am going to mention to close off, as I followed your lead, for listeners that haven't done this yet, and you may have felt compelled to do so from a previous recording, Harry talked about one of his many terrible movies that he's watched. One of those was, idiot. I think it was called Idiosyncrasy. -idiocracy. -idiocracy. idiocracy. Idiocracy. I did watch that movie. Not only that, i got my whole family to watch on holiday. I mean, what a crocket of rubbish. And that's me proving, choosing not to choose a swear word there. However, it, I, you are absolutely on point with using that as a point of reference. It absolutely mm. did what you said it would do. But please don't waste mm. your time watching what is a terrible, terrible movie. I mean, you can
0: get most of it from the first 20 minutes or so, like what I'm talking about. You can get the idea from the first 20 minutes. Yeah.
1: It has, however, for those that listen to episode one, completely put me off watching Joe versus the volcano. Uh, So, uh, yeah.
0: (laughs) That wasn't a great movie either, but there was just interesting takeaways. But I will try and dig out the Les Brown... Uh, story of that because that's really quite nice to, to listen to He's, Do he does a great job listening. yeah that.
1: harry it's been a pleasure as always uh, hopefully those that listened have taken uh, some something away from today If nothing else just take away the beat model just remind people what the b a t stand for and then we'll uh, we'll sign off
0: yeah that. so b for brain e for elements a for activity t for tranquility and there's a a blog on harry.hk you can find that it's called the most important blog you'll ever read And it's on the front page and it will explain it in more detail.
1: Gosh, there we go. Listen, everyone, thanks for joining us. We'll see you again in a week's time. Cheers, Harry.
0: See you later, guys. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Mindful Past podcast with Nick Day and Harry Kalimnos.
1: We hope you found our discussions insightful and hopefully you've gained some valuable
0: takeaways to support you on your own journey. Please leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform and share an episode that resonates with you with a friend or family member who may also find it valuable.
1: Please also don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to ensure you never miss a future episode. And in the meantime, we'll continue exploring mindful path topics to provide you with more insights and more ideas to support you on your personal growth
0: journey. Thank you for your support and look out for the next episode of the Mindful Paths podcast dropping soon.